Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Hello, my name is Bayshore. So we're talking about what our vision is. Last Sunday, we talked about uh, our commitment to the Bible and our love for Scripture and uh, it is our goal to s- teach the Bible so that we can love Jesus deeply and our lives can be changed. Teach the Bible so we can love Jesus deeply and our lives can be changed. So that was last week. We talked about Scripture, and I appreciate Jeremy so much uh, promoting the message, and uh, it really helped a lot of people and made our commitment to Scripture strong as we go into 2019. This morning, we want to talk about uh, a second part of our vision and that part is about serving. It's about serving. And uh, here is the second vision component of this series, and that is our dream is that 100% of the people that come to Bayshore will serve so that we can impact and change our community. Uh, our dream is that 100% of the people that come to Bayshore will serve so that we can impact and change our community. So that is the big, big passion that we have in our heart. Now, here's what we know statistically about most churches, and that is 20% of the people in most churches do 80% of the work. That is from a principle called the Pareto Principle that uh, was basically uh, worked out in 1906 in Italy by uh, Italian economists that he said that uh, he said that 20% of the effects uh, affect 80% of the causes. And he discovered that uh, in Italy, 20% of the people owned 80% of the property. And he even looked in his own garden and he said 20% of the, or, or 80% of the, of the peas came out of 20% of the pods. So that was his thing. And so people looked at this principle and John Maxwell, one of the great uh, leadership teachers in the 70s and 80s, I got to meet John Maxwell a couple times and just uh, love him, love his impact on the church. The church didn't talk much about leadership for a lot of years, and then John Maxwell was sort of the first one that came to talk about uh, leadership, and so I met him on several occasions and talked to him and asked him some questions about Bayshore, and he's just a, a really incredible man. But he said that the Pareto Principle that 20% uh, gives 80% of the causes is also true in the church. He said 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the giving. 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the inviting to the church. And so that's a principle that we, we kind of look at. And so one of the things we want to be careful of, and I know that Bayshore's uh, participation is much higher than 20%, but uh, our goal is not 30%, it's not 40%, it's not 50%. Our goal is that 100% of the people that come to Bayshore are engaged in service so that we can impact and change our community. Now, when I was a little boy, I used to uh, lay on the grass in the summertime and look at anthills. 
And, uh, you know, kind of, yeah, I don't know if you've ever looked at an anthill, you know, the little mound there, it's kind of, kind of neatly kind of, you know, made there. And, and if you lay on the grass and you look down at an anthill, you'll see hundreds of ants and every ant is doing something. Now, I don't know what they're doing. They're carrying little grains of sand up and down that hole. Some got little pieces of bread. But if you look at an anthill, you will discover that 100% of of the ants are doing something. They're moving. And I wonder if God looks down on churches the way I used to look down on anthills. And I wonder what he sees. Does he see a whole segment of people that are kind of not engaged in anything, but they're sort of watching as a few people are doing a lot of the work. So that's an important principle. Now, when I think about the Pareto principle, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I think about someone defined football this way. We're coming up on the Super Bowl. Someone described football this way. Football is 22 people on a field that desperately need rest, watched by 50,000 people that desperately need exercise. (laughs) 22 people on the field who desperately need rest, watched by 50,000 people who desperately need exercise. So I know that that's a principle that we have to watch out for and look at, because I think there's two visions, two ways that we can look at a church. Now, one of the ways we can look at the church, we can have what I call a cruise ship mentality. A cruise ship mentality. How many have ever been on a cruise? Have you ever been on a cruise? Here's a picture of a beautiful cruise ship. And if you've ever been on a cruise, it's the most amazing thing. Some people are cruise junkies. They just go from one cruise to another cruise to another cruise. Karen and I went on our first cruise when we had been married for 25 years. It was our 25th anniversary. So we had our, went on our first cruise, and uh, we went to New York City, got on a, um, a, a great uh, cruise ship, almost a brand-new cruise ship. And we went to St. John's, Nova Scotia, Halifax. We had the most amazing time. And, and what's incredible about a cruise is that you don't do anything. They do everything for you. It's an amazing experience, isn't it? I remember the first night we went to dinner, we had our own personal waiter. We would be sitting at the same table every time with the same people. And we had our own personal waiter that took care of us. And Karen, not to you know, criticize her selections at restaurants, but it takes her a while to figure out what she's going to eat. So I always tell her, honey, when we're walking in, look at what people are eating as we're walking in. Try to make up some of your mind. Kind of figure out what's going on. So we're sitting uh, at our table and the cruise ship and the, uh, the linen and everything was perfect. And she couldn't decide. She had three different entrees and she couldn't figure out which one to get. And so our waiter said, no worries, I'll bring you all three. And so it was just amazing. We come back and our room's all done. And remember your towels? Your towels made in those little animals. And you got, and you got uh, chocolates on your pillow. I mean, for seven days, we didn't do anything except eat. We went with some friends one time, and they had a midnight chocolate bar. A midnight chocolate bar. He set his alarm to get up at midnight to go to the chocolate bar. So a cruise ship is where you are just served, and everything is just done for you. 
Some people come to church and they're looking for a cruise ship. They're looking for a church where they can sit back and everything can be done for them, that they can be served and they can be pampered and they can be taken care of. And cruises are wonderful, but the kingdom of God and New Testament churches aren't cruise ships. New Testament churches are battleships. Here's a picture of a battleship. The difference between a cruise ship and a battleship is a cruise ship, nobody has any responsibility except for the people that are paid to work there. Everybody else is there just to take and to receive. But on a battleship, everybody has a role, everybody has a job, everybody has a, has a, a function because the battleship is on a mission. And our church is not a cruise ship. Our church is a battleship. We have a mission to reach our community. We have a mission to change this community. We have a mission to reach people for Jesus. We have a mission to make it so when people come here for the first time and when you invite a person that's far from God and doesn't love church and hates preachers and you finally get them to come for church and they come and everything is wonderful and they're cared for and they're loved and everything is done with excellence and they sense the presence of God. We are a battleship where everybody has a responsibility. So when you think about about church, one of the things that can happen, and this can happen in our community, it can happen people that come to church, sometimes people come to church as they're looking at the church as a cruise ship, and they're looking at the church as a place where they can be served and they can be taken care of. But maybe over the years, Our way of thinking in America about churches has become distorted where we need to begin to think about church as a place not where we come to get blessed, but where we come to be a blessing, where we come to be a blessing. Maybe we've been facing it the wrong way for a long time. Now, I read this week, interesting story, in western Turkey, in western Turkey, There is a mosque that was built in 1981 on the remains of an old mosque. And this mosque, you know, if if you know anything about Islam, anything about Muslims, they pray five times a day, and they always pray toward Mecca in Saudi Arabia. And there's a little, in every mosque, there's a little uh, little, uh, concave in the wall that points toward Mecca. And five times a day, in every mosque around the world, people pray. And this mosque in western Turkey discovered that they've been facing the wrong direction. And for the last 37 years, they've been praying in the wrong direction. And, you know, five times a day, for 37 years, they've been praying in the wrong direction. And that's not the end of it. The bad news is, is the new mosque that was built in 1981 was built on the remains of the old mosque that was probably pointed in the wrong direction as well. Here's a picture. What they did to to do with this, here's a picture of the mosque there. What they did is they painted white lines on the floor so they could now face the right direction. Now, this is not to make fun of Muslims, for sure. That's not the point of this illustration. The point of this illustration is they were facing the wrong direction. And I think it's possible for people to come to church and they've been facing the wrong direction for a long time. The wrong direction is they're looking for someone to serve them 
instead of becoming a servant. And we need to become people that are passionately about serving and helping. I imagine a church, my dream and our dream for Bayshore, the leadership of Bayshore, is we dream of a church where 100% of the people are serving so that we can impact and change our community. Say it with me. Our dream is where 100% of the people that come to Bayshore are serving so that we can change and impact our community. And many of you are serving. I, I get the list every, every, every week of the people that are, in, uh, that are coming out here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and serving in the, in the food pantry. People that have retwi- retired, that, that no longer work, that you know, could be staying home, could just be traveling to Florida, could be just like having a good time. And we have people that are engaged in serving every week and they're, they're serving and they're caring for people. There are people that right now are next door that are not just babysitting, but they're telling children about Jesus because they love people that, that, that love these little children and these little children need to know about Jesus. That's what they're doing, and they're making a difference. There are people on the host team this morning. They got here early. They got here early to pray and to talk about how we could be effective in reaching people and helping people. I got this note uh, last week from a lady, actually uh, Jody Monroe, who is our, our Next Step director. Jody reaches out to people after they come here, and we send them letters, and we send them emails. And we got this wonderful uh, email back from a lady that was here last week. It says, Dear Jody, Thank you for your email. I was so fortunate to attend Bayshore last Sunday when the message clearly stated the mission of the church. BC uh, Bayshore Community Church reminded me so much of my church generations in Southport, North Carolina. I was immediately welcomed warmly by a number of church members and your friendly host team. The worship team was incredible. The song church choices we're delivering were truly moving. I enjoyed the message and was touched by that the pastor on his way out noticed that I was a visitor and stopped by to welcome me. My husband and I will be splitting time between our home at Bayside and our home in Southport. Now I will be able to look forward to attending and hopefully serving and hopefully serving at Bayshore. While I was there, I was overwhelmed with the feeling that I was home. I was overwhelmed with the feeling that I was home. Isn't that incredible? We should celebrate that. Isn't that a great thing? <clears throat> Do you know why that lady had such a great experience? She had such a great experience because we had a host of people that were serving, that were loving, that were caring, that were giving. A host of people that got here early before church started and rolled up their sleeves and said, rolled up their sleeves and said, I am going to serve and I'm going to make a difference in, in this service today. So that's what a great, a great uh a great church does. Now, here's what we need to know. We need to remember that the pathway, the pathway to fulfillment at Bayshore is serving. The pathway to fulfillment at Bayshore is serving. Here's what I I know about us. We try to have great services to bless people. We we try to have great services where people are, are touched by what God is doing and all of that. But let me tell you something. Fulfillment, listen to this. Fulfillment doesn't come from great services. Fulfillment comes from great serving. Fulfillment doesn't come from great services. Fulfillment comes from great serving. 
In other words, if you come the first time at Bayshore, you see the lights and you see me preach and you, you watch the music, man, that's a really great church. You're all pumped up about it. And then you come three months later. You've been coming every time three months later. Sermon's good and all that. The worship's good and the lights are. So everything all of a sudden becomes a little bit you know, down. You've seen it all before because these lights really aren't for you. These lights are for the people that you're going to invite because you'll get used to the lights You'll get used, and you say, you know what? I don't know if the preaching's as good as it used to be. I'm not sure if they're singing as good as they used to think. I'm not sure. You know, you know what? There are more holes in the parking lot than I thought there were, you know? <laughs> you can begin to see what's wrong. Because, listen, fulfillment doesn't come from great services. Fulfillment comes from great serving. Say it with me. Fulfillment comes not from great services, but from great serving. So serving, being a part of that. Okay, let me just uh, talk to you a little bit about why should we serve? Why should we serve? First of all, the reason we should serve is, number one, the reason we should serve is because serving is more fun than watching. Serving is more fun than watching. There's something about getting involved. There's something about serving that is much more fun than just watching. Now, I go every year to uh, the U.S. Open, which is the big tennis uh, event in New York City. It's usually Labor Day, the week before Labor Day. And 700,000 people, 700,000 people uh, go to uh, Flush and Meadows there where the tennis tournament is every, every summer. And I'm in that 700,000. I go for three days. And here's a picture of the stadium there. Uh, 700,000 people over... Uh, a period of two weeks. It's this, this is the largest attended uh, sports event in New York City every year. Two weeks. Thousands and thousands of people come, and I sit there, and I've had some great experiences there. I, I was sitting up here uh, one time where I got to watch Andre Agassi play his last match before he retired, the last match he ever won. And uh, I was in another stadium one time, and the lady that just played in the, uh, in the Australian Open that lost uh, Pitfaka, so I think that's how you say her name. We're just, you know, anyhow, that's her name, basically. Uh, and I was in the stadium, and she uh, had a big serve, and I caught one of her balls, and I just had a wonderful time. So, and here's a picture of Roger Federer. Uh, a lot of people compare my game with Roger Federer. I don't know. <laughs> so that's, you know, how I look a lot of times when I'm playing right here, you know. But I love to go. And I go every year. It's been like the last 12, 15 years. I go to the U.S. Open every year. And a group of my buddies go. One guy drives. He tells the same jokes every year, the very same jokes on the way up. And we go and we pack sandwiches and we go and we watch the U.S. Open. And I'll go this year. Love it. Love it. But let me tell you something. I love it. I love to watch tennis. But I can tell you it is more fun to play tennis than to watch tennis. It is more fun to play tennis than it is to watch tennis. As much as I love the U.S. Open, as much as I, when I get out on the court playing tennis, I love to play. And I'm telling you what, I would rather play tennis than eat, than sleep, than just, do, just about anything because I love to play tennis. It is more fun to participate than to watch. And if your experience at churches has been sort of like, you know, ho-hum. And some people, and I don't want to say this in an offensive way, some people are like hummingbirds. 
hummingbirds. I sit on my deck sometimes, and we got flowers all around, and I'll see these hummingbirds come. You ever seen a hummingbird? It's amazing, you know, feat of nature. Hummingbird flying around, and, and they go to one flower, and they suck a little nectar out. Then they fly to another one, and they suck a little nectar out. And I have people that I meet in the foyer sometimes, and I know they're hummingbirds. They like to visit churches. They like to go to churches. They like to hear good preaching. They like to, you know, hear good, me- good music. And I know that they're hummingbirds. They've been to 14 churches before they got here. They're not given to any. They're not serving to any. And I can tell you, you'll never build a great church on hummingbirds. Great churches are built on people that are putting their roots down and saying, this is not a perfect church, but I tell you what, this is a church that preaches the Bible and we love Jesus and we're going to serve and we're going to roll up our sleeves and make a difference in this community because our dream is that we'd have 100% of the people that come to Bayshore are serving so that we can impact and change our community. Say it with me. Our dream is that 100% of the people that come to Bayshore We'll serve so that we can make an impact and change our community. So the greatest, the pathway, the pathway to fulfillment in a church is serving. It's not great services, but it's great serving. And that's what Jesus came to do. Let me, let me read to you Matthew chapter 20. Verses 26 through 28, wonderful scriptures. Mark 10, 45 basically says the same thing. Matthew 10, 26 through 28. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just listen to this. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So that's the, that's the passion of Jesus. The passion of Jesus when he came to this planet. He came to this planet to serve, to help people. And you can't help another person without helping yourself. Every time you, you refresh another person, the book of Proverbs says, every time you encourage somebody, every time you serve somebody, you help yourself. And so it's an incredible picture of what we are called to do as, as a church together. book of Philippians talks about uh, do nothing, verse 3, chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but, com- but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. I sit in my office this morning, and uh, Karen always comes in to pray for me before um, before I preach on Sunday mornings, and she's, you know, she runs the host team here, and so she, she comes in early. She gets up early. She gets all dressed, and she comes in all beautiful. And she came in this morning. She was just stunning, beautiful, and had her perfume on. I could smell her when she came in the door. It's incredible. I almost didn't make it to church this morning. It's amazing. <laughs> and so she came in. She prayed for me. So if you don't like this sermon, it was her prayer. You know, I don't know. She, she prayed for me this morning. And then she said, honey, she said, you know, your, your truck is all covered with ice, so make sure you get, leave early enough or you can get out there and scrape the, scrape the frost off the windshield. And uh, we have a two-car garage, and I let Karen put her car in the garage. We have a two-car garage, but, you know, it's a two-car garage if you have Mini Coopers. You know, it's just a really small garage. We can't seem to get our cars in there together, so... 
So I'm sitting there at my desk working, and, and Karen backs out, and then I see her get out of her SUV. And she gets out of her SUV, and she, uh, she starts my truck, and she gets out the scraper, and she scrapes off the windshield of my car. I was going to go out and help her, but I was just watching. It was amazing, you know. <laughs> and then she did the sides, and then she pulled my truck into the garage. I thought, what a woman. It wasn't like I said, baby, you better get my truck cleaned up. We don't have that kind of relationship. That's not what I believe. I'm not a male chauvinist. I mean, not at all. But she did that because she loved me. And I'm telling you, that just this, she has a gift. Karen has the, what the New Testament would call the, the gift of helps. She likes to help people. Serving. So thinking about serving and helping. So the first reason we should serve is, is we should serve because it's more fun. It's more fun to serve than watch. Say it with me. It is more fun to serve than to watch. The second reason we should serve is we should serve because we need to be good stewards stewards of the gifts that God has given us. Now let me just read you one verse of Scripture. That, that uh, There's a lot of verses of Scripture about the gifts that we have. But here's what it says in 1 Peter. We are, we are, when we become Christians and we become Christ followers and we begin to serve Jesus, the Holy Spirit, when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And the, the Bible, in the book of Romans, says the Holy Spirit baptizes us in the body of Christ. We become members of the body of Christ when we become Christians. But the Holy Spirit also imparts to every member of the church, every person that's a Christian, he imparts to us a spiritual gift. And that's why next Sunday, if you haven't gone through next steps, one of the part of next steps is discovering the gift that God's put in you so you don't spend a lot of time wasting time, but you can know what your gift is and put that gift in right application in the church. And here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Each one, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Let's read that together. Uh, we're going to put it on the screen. Let's read it out, to get, out loud together. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God's put grace on you to serve in some way. And what is that gift? Some of you just got the gift of encouragement. You like to stand at the door and hug people when they come in. Some people, we have our board of directors meeting on, uh, uh, on Tuesday. We've got guys that have the gift of leadership, the gift of administration. Uh, they pour over spreadsheets. They, uh, they administrate the functions of our church. We have people at our church that have the gift of mercy, and they're going to get in a vehicle today, and they're going to drive to Salisbury, and they're going to help feed the homeless on the street. And whatever gift you've been having, some of you have the, you know, just the gift of giving. There's a, in, the book, uh, in the book of Romans, some people have the gift of giving where, where they have the ability, the capacity to make money and fund God's operation. Now, we all should give, but some people have a specific gift of that, it says, in the book of Romans. So whatever your gift is, it says in 1 Peter 4.10, Each one of you, 
should use whatever gift he has given to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, uh, we're kind of like an orchestra. Here's a picture of an orchestra. Think about the church as an orchestra. And here's a picture of an orchestra here. And everybody here has a different instrument, but they're all tuned and they're all playing the same song. So our church is like an orchestra. And the Holy Spirit is like the conductor. We all have the same vision, the same mission to impact our community, and we all use our gifts to get that done. So that's part of what it is. Now, the, the, the downside, the negative side to this point is we've we got to be good stewards. The reason we should serve is to have fun. It's more fun. Number two is to be a good steward of the gifts God's given us. Now, if you read Matthew chapter 5 and the parable of the talents... That is an astounding passage where it basically there's two people in the story that they take what this, the master has given them and they use it. And the one guy that buried his talent and didn't utilize what he was given, there's a very stern ending to that story. So one day, you know, Paul said about his preaching ministry, he said, Woe to me if I preach not the gospel. So in other words, he said, if I don't preach, if I don't do what I've been gifted to do, woe to me. So one day, I'm going to stand before God, and you're going to stand before God, and everybody's going to stand before God, and we're going to stand before the Lord, and and we have in our hands a gift that he's given us, and basically we are going to be accountable for whether we employed and used that gift the way we're supposed to use that gift. So it's a kind of a sobering thing when you think about the spiritual gifts that you have been given. And, and say this with me. Everybody has been given a spiritual gift. And we're accountable for how we use that. I heard this. Uh, <clears throat> some of you heard me tell this story years ago. There was this, uh, heard this guy in Detroit, uh, Pastor James uh, James McDeal, I think was his name. I heard this preacher preach, and he told this story about this illiterate uh, preacher that used to preach, and he had a reader. And he couldn't, you know, the preacher couldn't read, but he had a reader that would read the Bible, and he would stand there and listen, and when he heard something that appealed to him, he would take off preaching. And the guy would be, you know, reading, For God so loved the world, and the, and the literate preacher would say, For God so loved the world, and that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave his only begotten son. Then he would take off when something hit him. And so one day the reader got sick, and the reader didn't show up, and so the guy uh, in the church there, the illiterate preacher, he got there, and the reader wasn't there, so what he was going to do, so he just opened the Bible and opened to the book of Daniel, and the first word he looked at was Nebuchadnezzar, and he couldn't say it, but he was trying to, trying to articulate it, and he, and he said, uh, uh, he said, uh, Nebuch, Nebuch had a razor, and he said, that's my message today, Nebuch had a razor. My points are, he was a very homiletical preacher, he said, the first point is, who was Nebuch? Point number two, where did he get that razor? And point number three, what was he doing with that razor when he got it? And he got preaching on who was Nebuch. Amen. Can I get an amen? Who was Nebuch? Everybody. After a while, he realized he didn't know who Nebuch was. And then he said, where did he get that razor? After a while, he was preaching on that. Didn't know where he got the razor. And he said, well, what was Nebuch doing with that razor when he got it? He said, doesn't matter who Nebuch was. Doesn't matter where he got that razor. What really matters is what he was doing with that razor when he got it. And he said, what matters is what you're doing with what you got when you got it. How many know that's a pretty good message right there? And the message 
is what are you doing and what am I doing with what we got when we got it? And we all got something. We all got to give. Some of, we, some of us have got administration. Some of us have got encouragement and all that. So finally, why, why don't people serve? Why don't people serve? Sometimes, you know, let's think that through. And I think the, my, the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about why people don't serve is, is, number one, I think some people feel absolutely overwhelmed. They got so much going on in their life. They're so busy already. They're serving on committees. They're raising kids. They're going to soccer. They're doing all that stuff. And they got all this stuff to do. And so they're just really, really busy. So they feel like they have no margin in their time to serve. And that's the wonderful thing about Bayshore. We set it up so you can serve once or twice a month where you can serve in some form, some fashion. And here's what I've discovered is that many times the people that are, the, are so busy desperately need to invest and serve because I believe that you not only can tithe your money, I believe you can tithe your time. So I think if you give your time to serve the Lord, sometimes amazingly God seems to give you more time than you had before. And you have the ability to do what you couldn't do before. Remember the guy in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, little boy that had five loaves and two fishes, and there wasn't much, but he gave the little bit he had, he gave the little bit he had, and then how, much, how many baskets did they pick up after the miracle? They picked up 12 baskets. You know what I think? You know, it never says what the, where the 12 baskets went. You know, I don't know. You know, there's no, I can't build a doctrine on this, but I just wonder if the little boy got the 12 baskets. And he, you know, he's got his friends. They took those 12 baskets up. Maybe when he gave the little bit he had, he served, gave a little bit, that what didn't seem like enough, all of a sudden he had enough. So some people just feel like they don't have enough time. My mom and dad, they pastor a church in Laurel, Delaware. They have a big sign uh, as you call, walk into the door, I think it comes from a song, and it says simply, little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. So take, the, take some time. Take some, take some time and serve on the host team. Take some time. And, and here's, 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 a, here's something. We have a bigger church, and some people think, you know, there's plenty of people here. It's getting all done. I tell you, one of the greatest needs in our church is we need people that absolutely love children. Because children are high priority for us, and we still always seem to have trouble getting people to walk in that building next door and, and to invest in the next generation. And if you have an encouraging gift, you have a merciful gift, you don't even have to have kids. You don't even have to like kids. God can put it in your heart. You know, you just need to go over there and let the Lord work for you. And I'm always praying for Ray and always praying for uh, Shane and Suzanne that they'll just be blessed. So, sometimes people are too busy. Sometimes, and this is the last thing because we're running out of time. i got a lot more, but this is it. Um, sometimes uh, people don't serve because they used to serve. They did their stint. They used to serve. They used, when they had kids, they served in children's church. So, they just retired from serving. And I'm not sure that any of us can ever retire from serving God. We may adjust how we do it, but I don't think we can ever retire from serving. I don't think we ever get too spiritual to serve. I don't think we've ever been Christians long enough to, uh, to give up serving. I don't think we're at an age, as long as we have breath in us, we should be serving in some form or some fashion. I heard about the, uh, the story, you ever heard about the crow? 
the crow that was on a pole and a rabbit hopped by and the rabbit said to the crow, what are you doing, Mr. Crow? And the crow said, I'm doing absolutely nothing. And the rabbit said to the crow, can I do absolutely nothing? And the crow said, well, I guess you can do whatever you want to. So the rabbit sat there and he didn't do anything. Then a fox came along and ate the rabbit. The moral of that story is you can do absolutely nothing, but you have to be up pretty high. <laughs> we, we try to put out a lot of deep stuff here. That's what we try to do. But you can never, ever, in God's kingdom, do absolutely nothing. You can never do absolutely nothing because you're called to serve. And we have an incredible, our, our little book here, our small groups, we have a whole section on serving, areas you can serve, a little card you can put in there. But uh, just, just take this and say, hey, listen, Lord, what do you want me to do this year, 2019? 2019. Sign up for a semester, roll up your sleeves, I'm going to serve, I'm going to help kids. Roll up and say, hey, I'm going to help with the food pantry. Hey, I'm going to help with the host team. I'm going to, I'm going to help, you know, uh, with feeding the poor in Salisbury. I'm going to, I'm going to help administrate. I, I, and maybe, here, here, listen, here's, here's a dream as I close here. I have this amazing dream. This dream is, is last week we had that great experience, that lady that came in here and had that great experience. I have a dream. Here's my dream. I dream this all the time. I dream that we pull into the parking lot and there are... There are 20 guys and gals out in the parking lot with orange vests on. And they're helping park people's cars. And they're, they're greeting people and giving people high fives when they come in. And that we've got golf carts and we're loading up people and we're driving them to the door. That we have an outdoor uh, greeting team. And, we, and you say, Pastor Danny, I want to do that. Who's the leader? We don't have a leader. We don't have anybody to do that yet. And maybe you're the leader. But what... Jody says every year, Pastor Danny, you get all fired up about the parking lot in January when it's so cold. I mean, I am fired up about that, that one day, we're not going to just have one guy out there waving at people, cars when they go by, but our car parking lot is filled with people that are serving and loving people before they ever get out of their car. They know that Jesus loves them and this is a special place. And you say, Pastor Danny, how can I be a part of that? Well, it's it's right in the book. We got it in the book. We don't even have a leader, but we got it in the book. And we're believing that that's going to happen. Hey, here's, here's our dream. Our dream is, is that 100% of the people that come to Bayshore will serve in this church so that we can impact and change our community. Say it with me. Our dream is that 100% of the people that come to Bayshore We'll serve so that we impact and change our community. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning? Father, we thank you. Your Holy Spirit is raising up a new kind of church this year at Bayshore. A new kind of church. A battleship, not a cruise ship. A church full of people who love Jesus, who know they've been given a gift to serve. So help us, Lord, as we sort this out. We pray that next week we'll have tons of people in our new next steps class and people will discover their gift and get plugged in we thank you for blessing our church this year we thank you that 2019 is going to be the best year we've ever had we sense the holy spirit moving in our midst and we thank you for what you're doing 
In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.